Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. What does it mean to be blessed? Is it a relationship status? Is it a promotion at work? Is it a hashtag? Hashtag happy. Hashtag favor. Hashtag beautiful. Hashtag you can't stop me. What does it mean to be blessed? And how do you measure it? Is it based on the digits in your bank account? The number of friends in your life? Or the size of your house? What does it mean to be blessed? Don't we have cute kids at our church? <clears throat> Come on, it's cute, cute city church. <laughs> cute kiddos. Come on, I want to just say a personal thank you to Jesse. Jesse, are you here? I see you. Don't sneak out, girl. Come on, let's just give Jesse a hand for putting a great thing, great kids program together. And that was awesome, Jesse. Great job. Fantastic. And hey, Harrison, you can throw that uh, extra monitor up there for me so these wonderful people can get out on time today. If there's not a countdown there, we're going to be here all afternoon. Oh, there we go. Let's give Harrison a hand. It's his first time doing our media today. There's a bit of a ring. Do you hear that? I'm going to put my little monitor in if that's okay with you guys. Man, I'm so happy you guys are here today. Merry Christmas. Can you believe that Christmas is only 10 days away? How does that make you feel when I say that? <laughs> some of you feel a little stressed. Some of you are feeling a little excited. My parents are coming this Wednesday. Hi, Mom and Dad. They're watching us online right now, and he's texting me right now, literally. Hi, Dad. He says, oh, your kids are so cute. But, man, they're coming on Wednesday, and it's going to be a fantastic Christmas season together. And our Christmas Eve service is going to be awesome. We're going to have special music, and my wife and I are going to share a quick message together. And uh, so we encourage you to invite your friends and family. It's going to be a really, really great day to be at church. And there's a lot of visitors coming, so it's going to be fun. So we got a lot of good stuff planned in the new year. We can't wait to, uh, to talk more about that here. Next week is kind of a special day for us. It's, we're doing something we haven't done before called Heart for the House. And Heart for the House is basically our way to uh, just kind of prepare ourselves for 2020, to celebrate what God has done uh, in 2020, uh, as well, or I'm sorry, in 2019, and, and just to really make a, an investment into uh, 2020. So I'll talk a little bit more about that, but that's something we're going to do next week. And uh, so we're going to get back into our, our message today, our series we've been in. We've been talking about the blessed life. And uh, we had a, a great time hearing from my wife on our first week, hearing about the fact that the blessed life is a matter of your heart. It's a matter of something that comes from the inside and not from the outside. And she talked a little bit about when Jesus used the word blessed for one of the first times in the Bible, in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 5. He used the word blessed, and everyone around him who were listening to him speak that day probably had all sorts of different ideas of what the word blessed meant. But when Jesus taught in Matthew 5 on the word blessed, he was talking about something that happens on the inside of your life. There's a contentedness. There's a satisfaction there. Something happens on the inside of you and transforms you. And something, you become a person who is blessed by the grace and the forgiveness and the love of God. It is not determined on our external circumstances. 
And we talked about how in, around the Christmas season, we can always look around at the different external circumstances and measure whether or not we're blessed or not. And the point of Steph's message was is that it's about our heart. Being a blessed person, being a blessed woman or a blessed man is about having a blessing within our heart and knowing that deep within our hearts, Jesus loves us, he gave his life for us, he transformed us, and that on the inside out, we're experiencing true, true joy and true satisfaction. Last week, we talked about the next part of our, of our journey is talking about how a blessed life is a life that is fully surrendered to God. A life that puts God first in every area of their life. A, God, a life that puts God first in every area. And last week we talked about especially in the area with our money through our tithes and through our offerings. And we talked about the idea that God set up a system that when you look at the different ways of measuring and comparing ourselves with other people, on a moral ladder, we look at people who are maybe uh, less moral than we are. Maybe they're, they're murderers or people who are in prison or people who have done terrible things. And we look at them and say, well, at least I'm not like that. I'm, I'm more of a, a, a better person than that person. And so morally, we always measure ourselves by the group of people who are less than us. But studies show that financially, in a blessed, uh, in, a, in a financial world, on the ladder of finances, we don't measure ourselves by those that are below us. We measure ourselves by those that have more than us. And so we look at what people have and we look at what uh, others uh, have attained and whatever the others have gained and we look at their journey and we say, we are measuring ourselves by them. And so until we reach that level in our life, we will never quite be satisfied with what we have. And we talked last week about how the, the, the ancient Mediterranean people, the Israelites, had a built-in system to keep them from being greedy, to keep them from climbing that ladder. And it was called the system of tithes and offerings. It was a system they've been using for generations that was happened in the very beginning, the very first story of the Bible. In Genesis chapter four, with Cain and Abel, we see that Cain and Abel both brought an offering to the Lord. Abel brought his first and his best of his income. And Cain brought some of his income. And in that scripture we see that God blessed Abel because he brought the first and he brought the best. The very first story in the Bible talks about this ancient, ancient thing that I really want you to understand today. Now, as I prepared for this, uh, I, I really want to make sure you understand my heart in sharing this today. I am the type of person that when we started Love City Church, we had a, mon we had a mantra uh, with our church. And we said, you know what? If God is for us, if God is with us, if God is behind what he's doing at Love City Church, the Holy Spirit, God's going to provide for the house. Amen? If God wants us to be here and God wants us to reach more people and God wants us to help more people, the Holy Spirit will always be faithful to prompt people's hearts to give to the house of God. But today, the whole point of what I want to share with you today is really about teaching you something that is taught in Scripture because I believe that God wants to do uh, something great in your life, in your heart, in your finances, in your budgeting. God wants to help you in the area of your finances. Do you know that in the Bible, the number one talked about theme in the Bible is the kingdom of God. The number two talked about theme in the Bible is money. 50% more than Jesus talked about heaven and hell. He taught on money. Isn't that a crazy thought? He taught on money because every single one of us wake up every single day for what? Our jobs. Why? To make money. 
That's what we give our whole lives to. And so how important it is for us to understand that Jesus gave us his book. And this book helps us know how to serve God better, how to live a blessed life, and how to li live the life that God has intended for us. And so the heart of what I'm sharing you today as a shepherd, as a pastor of this house, is I want you to experience something in your life. And the reason I'm teaching this today is because I believe it with all of my heart. The reason I teach this today and we're teaching this series about the blessed life is because, listen, I'm not a rich person. I don't have thousands and thousands of dollars in investments and I don't invest all my money into gold and I don't have, a, I'm not a very rich person. I'm not a wealthy person. I know a lot of wealthy people. Someone once told me, you don't need to be rich, you just need to have rich friends. So I'm very thankful that I have some of you as my friends. I don't need to own the boat, you just own the boat. I'll come on there with you. I'm not a rich person. And the truth is, I probably never will be. I don't aspire to, and if you know me very well, money doesn't mean much to me. It's just God owns a cattle in a thousand hills. God's my provider, and he always provided for me. But my wife and I, for the last 15 years of our marriage, have practiced what I'm gonna teach you today, and I wanna promise you something. God is faithful because at the end of the day, God does not need your money. God wants your heart. He just wants your heart. He wants every area of your heart. And in order for you to experience the blessed life that God wants for you, he wants you to put him first, and he wants you to put him first in the area of our finances. And so we're gonna have a little bit of fun today. We're gonna look at a scripture. We're gonna read his patches of scripture. And we're gonna kind of modernize it a little bit. And I'm gonna very quickly give you three very simple truths from this verse. Some principles about multiplication. Some principles about multiplication. And this verse is, is a verse you probably heard before. But I'm gonna narrate it a little bit for you. So let's read it together in Luke chapter nine, starting in verse 10. And it says this. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them, with them, or took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethesda. But the crowds learned about it and followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. He said this, Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. And they answered, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of 50. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them, and he gave them to the disciples to distribute them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word, Lord. My heart today, Father, as you know, is that people would understand that, Lord, you want them to live an abundant life. God, you have a desire that we would live freely and openly with our finances, Lord, so that you would be uh, not only the king of our life, but God, that we would be able to do all the things you called us to do with the money that you've given us. And so I pray today, God, as I share, that people would be encouraged today, the Lord, that people would be taught today, and they would leave today knowing that, God, your desire for their life is to give them an abundant life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so you probably heard this story before, but I want to just kind of give those in the room that maybe have never heard this before. These men, uh, these disciples, were men that Jesus called to follow after him. And these men left their businesses behind. 
Some of them left their, their fishing businesses and some of them worked for the government and some of them were, were, were different gardeners and different people like that. And they left their businesses behind to follow after Jesus. And one day Jesus said, okay, I want you to go into these towns and I want you to go and preach about me and I want you to heal people. So they did. They went, and went to towns and they preached about Jesus and they healed people and they raised the, the dead and they healed the sick and it was incredible. And then they came back to, to Jesus and Jesus said, okay, it's been an incredible journey. Now I want you to come and rest with me. You can take a little vacation. Let's go to Canmore and hang out. So they hand out Canmore and they're driving out there. And all of a sudden, someone found out that Jesus was heading out there to take a little bit of a rest. So a group of people, 5,000 families, went out to follow after Jesus. And as they went out there, these disciples were kind of on a journey to figure out if Jesus really was who he said that he was. They're trying to figure out, is this guy the Messiah? And so they're super excited because about 5,000 people showed up, 5,000 families, which was about 15 to 20,000 people gathered together on a mountaintop to hear Jesus teach. And they all gathered together. And these disciples are super excited and, you know, they're thrilled. They're, they're, they're like, my gosh, like, this is, this is the biggest, like, speaking engagement we've had yet. This is incredible. And all of a sudden, Jesus starts to teach. You know, it's probably about 8.30 in the morning. You know, he starts to teach. And, man, he's doing a real good job. He's really hitting some good points, got some good stories. And, man, he's really just making people laugh, and they're chuckling, and it's just awesome. And then, like, noon rolls around, and, you know, the disciples are like, okay, you know, we'll probably get out, you know, right before lunch, because, you know, the farmer's market, you know, gets busy, and we need to get folks over there to get their food. Everyone gets a little bit hangry, especially Ryan Boros, hallelujah. And so we just need to get these guys, get, let's get them out of church, let's get them on to the, you know, the, 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 the restaurants are a little far away, and the hotels, you know, okay, that's good. So they're just sitting there waiting, 11, 12 rolls by, and they're like, okay, um, okay, he's going to keep going, okay, we'll let him go a little bit longer, you know, he's, he's doing a good job, the people are enjoying it, this is good. And then, okay, now it's one o'clock, okay, Jesus, no one's been eating, and okay, two o'clock, okay, three o'clock, four o'clock, Five o'clock, and now the disciples are starting to get really hungry and really frustrated and really irritated. And they're thinking, man, these people don't want to be here anymore. They're getting a little frustrated. So they grab the disciples to the side, and all these 12 guys are like, okay, guys, what are we going to do? We need to dismiss. These guys need to eat. The farmer's market closes at five. I mean, I love the sneaking chimichangas over at that Mexican place, and I've been thinking about it this entire time. I couldn't even listen to his past point because all I could think about was that sneaking Mexican food, and that's all I want to eat. And so here we are. What do we do? It's like, okay, we need this guy to dismiss. We need him dismissed. Okay, so who's going to go dismiss? Philip's like, well, I'll do it. He walks over to, hey, um, Jesus, you're doing an awesome job, man. Doing a really, really great job. Hey, um, we need to dismiss the crowd because they're pretty hungry. You know, like, there's not a lot of restaurants around here, and, like, it's getting late, man. It's almost a ball clock. You've been preaching all day. Really good, by the way. I really enjoy it. But I just, like, you just need to, like, let's get the ball rolling, Jesus. Come on, I love you, man. But you can preach tomorrow. It's okay. And Jesus looks at Philip and says, hey, why don't you feed him? He says, okay, like, what? What'd you say? I want it, you feed these people. And Philip looks at him and says, okay, Jesus. Walks back over the guys. What'd he say? Did he, did he, is he going to dismiss? Did you tell him he need to dismiss? Yeah, I told him. Well, did you tell him it's like time to get out? Like it's time to go? Yeah, I mentioned it to him. What did he say? He told us to feed the people. <laughs> he said, what? He, he told us to feed the people. That was the plan. And we need to feed them. Okay. 
Well, let's do this then. Why don't we move out around the group, try to scrounge as much food as we can, and we'll just see what happens. You know, we'll prove to Jesus that this is impossible. So they go around and they grab all, they go around the whole 20,000 people. Imagine these disciples with these baskets. And they come back and they have uh, two uh, fish and five loaves of bread. And finally, who's going to take it to Jesus? And Peter says, all right, I'm the leader. I'll do it. And walks up to him. Hey, Jesus. Hey, man, just telling you. Uh, here's what we have. We have two pieces of fish and we have five loaves of bread. I told you it wasn't possible. Now please dismiss the people. And Jesus says, okay, have them, have them break into groups of 50. He says, no, Jesus, this is all we have. Have them break into groups of 50. <laughs> Peter's like, okay, goes back. What did he say? He said to break them into groups of 50. Now just imagine 12 disciples trying to break 20,000 people into groups of 50. <laughs> so finally they get them into groups of 50. And we get to this place where these guys are just so like overwhelmed by what's about to happen. Jesus is, is holding this basket of bread. He's got, it, he's got it in his hand. He's holding it for a moment. He's looking at it. And finally in this scripture, we see that Jesus does something. He lifts up the food and he blesses it. Now I want to just recap for a minute. These people went around and they found food and they gave the food to Jesus. They hadn't eaten all day long, about 10 hours of listening to Jesus preach. I imagine they were hungry. At that moment, they probably could have turned and just eaten that fish themselves and that bread themselves. Right at that moment, they could have been thinking about themselves, but instead they thought, okay, Jesus needs this food. And so they brought this basket to Jesus. They set it down in front of him and Jesus lifts the, the bread and the fish and it says, in the scripture that he blessed it he lifted it and he blessed it and then he set it back down and he ripped off a piece of bread and he took a little bit of fish and he handed it to peter and he handed it to the next disciple all the way to 12 disciples and the disciples were left holding a little handful of bread and a little bit of fish in their hand peter probably looked at jesus and said jesus did you finish praying yet <laughs> because i have less than what i started with now I have a handful of bread and I have a little bit of fish in my hand. What do you want me to do? He says, give it away. Jesus, I don't have, this is all I have. I have a handful. I got a little bit of fish. That's it. You want me to feed 20,000 people with a handful of nothing. This is all I got. This is, he only gave me just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. So Peter and then the disciples obediently begin to walk up to each person he rips off a little bit and he gives it to the person in the fish. And as he does that, he looks in his hand and the bread didn't disappear. It remained the same. And he walks to the next person and he does the same. And these 12 disciples managed to walk around to 20,000 people. And while they handed the bread to that person, it duplicated in his hand. It was this miracle that every time they gave it away, every single time they gave away what God gave them, there was a miracle that happened in that moment. He kept handing it away and they kept giving it away and more kept coming and more fish and more bread until finally they fed every single person. And the scripture says that they ate and they were satisfied. They didn't just take a bite of fish. They were full from the bottom to the top. The kind of full that your stomach sticks out like this. And you sit back and think, oh my gosh, that was amazing. They were full. They were satisfied. And guess what? They went around and they collected 12 baskets of leftovers. They started with one basket for 12. And they came back with 12 baskets per disciple. We see something very, very important that we might miss about this verse. Something very interesting that the miracle did not happen in the master's hand. It did not happen in the hand of Jesus. The miracle happened in the disciples' hands. It wasn't until 
these disciples stepped out in faith and gave what God gave them. Did they see the miracle? And from this today, we have three very simple principles, very simple basic truths that I pray that you will understand today so that you can be blessed in your finances. I want to tell you today, I've seen this in my own life. God is faithful. Here's the first principle. Look at this. Something must be blessed before it can multiply. Something must be blessed before it can multiply. Now, we talked about this last week, and the reason I'm reiterating it, because I want you to capture what God, the Bible is teaching about your finances. From the very first story in the Bible with Cain and Abel, all the way down to, to Jesus' teaching on this himself, all the way throughout Scripture, we see that the Scripture of this systematic uh, training, this system of giving, this system of generosity, this system of thinking, of tithes and offering, was something that was taught all throughout the Bible and will benefit your life if you can just grasp the heart of God. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. That's the point. He doesn't just want your money. He wants your heart. We see last week, we talked a little bit about this. We talked about this verse in Leviticus 27.30. A tithe of everything from the land. The word tithe there, for those of you who maybe don't know, is the word tenth. It's the Hebrew word tenth. It actually is carried over. The word means tenth, tithe, ten percent. A tithe of everything from the land, whether a grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Paul actually brings us into the New Testament. In Romans chapter eleven sixteen. 16, he says, For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Here's the idea here. Something, uh, something can, uh, must be blessed before it can multiply. It will not multiply unless it is blessed. Now listen, this is what I shared last week. We have 10, right here, we have, a thousand, is that $100? $10,000. 100, thank you. I'm not very good at math. Okay, so here we have a picture. We have $100. You get your paycheck. Paycheck comes in, 100 bucks. Which one of these is the holy dollar? The holy 10. Which one is considered holy according to scripture? The first fruit. That's what the scripture teaches. That the very first fruit is the first is the holy. The first fruits are holy. So look at this. When we give our first fruit to God, two through 10 is redeemed. When we give our first to God, two through 10 is blessed. If we give our 10th to God, and we've used one through nine for ourselves, the tenth is not holy. The tenth is not blessed. The tenth, biblically, the scripture teaches this. And I just want you to get it, because I know there's a lot of churches that use this as a gimmick to get your money. But this is a biblical truth that if you can understand for your life, that the first is holy. All throughout scripture it's taught that the 10% the first is holy. And that when you give that first to the Lord, guess what happens? The scripture teaches that he redeems the rest of it. Look at this. He blesses the rest of it so it can multiply. So you might just find that for a minute you only got that little thing of bread in your hand and you might just give off a 10% of it, but now this bread went from being a little handful of bread to being something that will carry you through the entire month and do everything that it needs to do to satisfy all of your needs. Right. Now, look at this here. Look at this. So 10% and the 90% is yours to do what you want with it. 10% has to, in order for your 90% to be blessed, 
We have to give our first to the Lord. Not just in our money, but in our mind and in our heart and in our energy and in our friendships and in our relationships. This is something very important that I want you to understand that the first principle of multiplication is, is that something must be blessed before it will multiply. And to have a multiplied blessed finances, the scripture teaches that the first belongs to the Lord. Here's the second thought. Only what is given away can multiply. So now, we'll step away from the tithe for a minute and we'll look at the 90%. The, t- the 10% there, if we look at that story of the people, the disciples, and we look at, at, uh, at the, the, what they had in their hand, if they just would have eaten, if, if, if the Peter would have taken that bread in his hand and the fish in his hand and would have just said, you know what, Jesus, I'm really hungry. It's been a long day. And he just would have downed it and never would have multiplied. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a minute. They never would have been able to feed the 20,000 if Peter would have thought about himself. Peter would have thought, you know what? I'm starving. He gobbles it down. And there's tons of people that never would have gotten fed because Peter chose himself. In this moment, Peter said, okay, I'm not going to eat this bread even though it's right in front of me. I'm going to give it away. And every time he gave it away, what happened? It multiplied. Why? Because it was blessed. God blessed it. And so forth, he gave it away and it multiplied. And guess what? At the end of the day, he gave away so much bread. And guess what? He had 12 baskets more than when he started. This is a spiritual principle that we don't understand. But it is a biblical concept that there, there, there's something powerful that when you give away blessed money, it multiplies. It's interesting that there's a difference between tithing and giving or tithing and offerings. Now, I want you to see this. Tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. It already belongs to the Lord. It's his. He says, I just want, you, I just want that first. And when we give that first to the Lord, when we give that first starting point to God, guess what happens? The rest is yours. So tithing is actually not giving. Tithing is actually just returning. What, what giving is, giving comes out of the 90%. Giving is the offering. This is something that uh, I want you to understand today because, hey, if, if you're someone today say, Ryan, I'm just learning about tithing. I'm just learning about this concept and I haven't even started yet. I want you, I want you to start there. Start by getting to give your, your first to the Lord. Maybe you have been giving your first Lord for a while. You say, Ryan, what's next? This is what's next. God wants you to prayerfully consider. Ask the Holy Spirit. This isn't about me. I don't mandate this. This is between you and the Lord. This is when it gets fun. When God begins to bless you, And you say, God, what do you want me to do with that money? Guess what? He's going to speak to your heart and you begin to uh, step out in faith. God is going to bless you above and beyond all you can ask or dream or imagine. He'll bring that money back in tenfold. Trust me. God is so faithful. He like money is just like to him. He's like, really? Come on. Like I can bless you. Just give it away. Just give it away. Just bless people with it. Come on. Just bless someone this Christmas. Come on. Just help a young kid, a foster care kid. Come on. Help someone on the side of the street. Come on. Help a family in need. Come on, give that money away. I want to make a promise to you that if you've tithed on that money and you give it away, I want to make a promise. God will fulfill all of your needs. He will and he does. He will and he does. The second principle of multiplication is that finances over and above the tithe must be shared if they are to be multiplied. Now, I need you to hear me. If you give your money away, but you have not tithed, You cannot give an offering until you've given the tithe. You cannot give an offering 
that will multiply until you've given the tithe. When you give the tithe, what happens is, is God blesses your finances and then you give from that 90% and God gives you above and beyond all that you need. He satisfies all of your needs in your life. Something beautiful about this because God wants us to live a blessed life, not maybe a wealthy life, maybe not a rich life. He wants you to live a blessed life, a satisfied life, a content life. He wants to satisfy every need in your life. And guess what? I've been, I've been proven in my life that God has done it. Do you know how many times my wife and I have gone a month where we've given first, we've given an offering, and at the end of the month, I li- our bank account is down to zero? And I've come to the end of the month. You know, like, I could tell you, I, like, most of the time, I come to the end of the month and I think, oh my gosh, how are we going to pay this mortgage? How are we going to do this thing? And I want to promise you something. You know what happens? Check come in the mail. You know what happens? The, the people call us from our different places. Hey, you know what? Today, we're gonna give you a discount. We've had that happen before. We've had people come to us and bring us bags of groceries. We've had people pay stuff for us. God is so faithful. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He created this whole thing and he's got all the money in the world. He doesn't need our money. He just wants your heart. And if he has your heart, he says, all right, I'm gonna provide for my son and my daughter. He just wants your heart. Here's the last thought here today. Very simple, and I love this one. And the, the screen has an a, a English error, so forgive me. God wants to satisfy, not you to satisfy. <laughs> God wants to satisfy your needs and give you an abundant life. Come on, I'm gonna say that again. I want some of you in the room have, uh, have this mindset that you have, to con- you have to do this to your world. I have to control my world, to control my finance, to make sure it doesn't get out of hand and I have these goals and these things I want to reach which are good to have goals but sometimes we put ourselves in the driver's seat of our life and say nope this is nope it's going to look like this and I want you to know something if you just give your heart to the Lord he wants to meet your need and he wants to give you an abundant life you actually don't have to try very hard. He just wants to bless you. He just wants to speak into your life. He just wants to bless your heart and he wants to give you promotions and provisions and God does amazing things in your life. He wants to bless you abundantly. Look at this verse in Luke 9, 17. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Now that word satisfied there actually means to have something with abundance. So they started with each a handful and they ended with a basket. And the crazy part about the basket was that they had already eaten. They were full. They didn't need to eat anymore. God already met their need. He satisfied their need. This scripture here teaches us that this is God's heart for you. He wants to fill you. He wants to give you with abundance. He wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to be blessed in your life. I'm not talking about being overly wealthy and being a bad steward of your finances. God wants to bless you. Look at the scripture in John 10.10. The thief's purpose is to kill and steal and destroy. My, God's purpose, Jesus' purpose. I love this. Look at this, his purpose. If you're here today and you say, Ryan, I'm not a follower of God. My perspective of God is that he's mean or angry or doesn't love me. Well, right here, this is the Bible. This is God's purpose for you. 
to give you a rich and satisfying life. That word rich is not referencing the rich that we hear, where we look at somebody who's driving a Rolls Royce and living in a mansion and say, oh, that's rich. No, no, this is talking about a blessed life, a content life, a satisfied life, an abundant life. He wants to give you an abundant life, an abundant life, an abundant life, a satisfied life. This is God's purpose for you. So if you're here today and you've been living under the tyranny of, of, of debt and finances and, and control and, and, and trying to figure it all out, I want to tell you today, that's not the life God wants you to live. As a follower of Jesus, he wants you to live a rich and satisfying and abundant life. But look at the other purpose, the devil's purpose, the enemy's purpose. Don't you think that the devil would want to keep you from following this biblical principle? Don't you think? That the devil, the enemy of your souls, the one who's out to kill, steal, and destroy you, wants to get you angry or frustrated or he wants to get you wondering or suspicious or he wants to get you protected. He wants you to think that you're in control of it. That is the purpose of the enemy, to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. But God came to break that curse on your life. I want to show you a verse here, and I was potentially not going to read it, but I'm going to read it. I want you to hold on to me. Hold on for a minute. The first part's going to kick you in the butt, but the second part's good, so hang on. This is Malachi prophesying for God. He says this, Malachi 3. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, this is God talking to his people. What do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? God said, you have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. Look at this. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Whew. I didn't even want to read it because the word curse. Ah! Okay, so the curse. The devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy you. I'm here to pull back the curtain from this topic that you think this is just about becoming a millionaire for the pastor so I can buy a Ferrari. That's my goal. <laughs> This is because I want you to experience a breakthrough in your finances. I want you to experience a blessed life. Right here, look, it says in this verse that there is a curse and the devil is out to steal and to kill and to destroy and to keep you from experiencing the breakthrough in your finances to live the blessed life that God wants for you. And guess what? The Bible teaches us. It teaches us in this next verse exactly what we need to do to break that curse. See, tithing or returning to God and an offering is where we remove this curse. This is where we rebuke the devourer. This is where we rebuke the insect and rebuke the enemy and rebuke the, the, the money and greed being driven in our life. We put Jesus first and we put God first and this is the, how the Bible teaches us to do it. So we see this verse, it's kind of scary, but then he gives us hope. Look what he says. He, look at this. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse. This is the very next verse. So there will be enough food in my temple, food in my church. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, if you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to test. Your crops will be abundant. For I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Listen, God's been talking about this for a long time. If you want to break the curse on your life, if you want to break this curse of, of, of uh, money controlling your mind and your heart, you want to know the number one reason people get divorced? Money, marriage. <laughs> Did you mean that? The number one people get divorced, Andrew said marriage. <laughs> money. 
We do tons of premarital counseling and post. Money, 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 money. Money's why we fight. Money's why we live. Money's why we work. Guess what? God owns all the money in the world. He's our provider. He's faithful. He's a good God. His desire for you is good. His hope for you is good. All we have to do is open up our hands and say, okay, God, I don't even understand it all the time. I understand it's a biblical truth. It's not a measure of your money. It's not a measure of a 10%. Guess what it's a measure of? Your faith. It's simply about your faith. God, I have faith that you are a good God. I want you to listen to me for a minute. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. God, we acknowledge you're a good God. Your desire for us, Father, is to bless us. Lord, for those in the room who have a a, a perspective about you that says that you're an angry God or that you're an unforgiving God or that you're a wrathful God or that you want to come and hurt us, God, we just take that thought out of their mind today and we say, God, you came today to bring us hope and bring us a purpose and bring us life. You came to bring us a satisfying, rich, abundant, filled life. Thank you, Jesus. Your desire for us, God, is that we, Father, would have a heart after you. God, you want our heart. And Jesus, you were God's tithe. For God so loved the world that he gave, he tithed his only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Jesus came to break this curse on your life. Jesus came to break the curse of of depression and the curse of sin and the curse of death and the curse of bondage and the curse of chains and the curse of fear and the curse of doubt. He came today to break these curses on our lives. The Bible says, said, cursed is the man who hangs from a tree. Jesus took the curse and was the curse so that you and I could be set free. Jesus, we acknowledge today that this is not about just money. This is about you wanting access to our lives. This is about you wanting access to our emotions and to our heart. Jesus, this is about you wanting to come and infiltrate every area of our lives because Jesus, your way is so much better than my way. Your thinking is so much higher. Your ways are so much higher. God, I've learned over the years of serving you that, God, you know better. And you can do more and you can provide more and you can bless us in ways that didn't make sense. But God, we just always want to be in control of everything in our lives. So today, God, we just start, we end our time together, Lord. I'm saying, Father, thank you for teaching us in your word how to live an abundant life. Thank you, Jesus, for caring so much for us that you showed us, God, what it looks like, Lord, to serve you and to honor you and to live the abundant, blessed life that you intended for us. I pray for every person in the room today, God, is facing a financial difficulty and they might be thinking, man, how do I do this? I'm in a, I'm in a mess right now. I'm, I'm in crazy debt right now and my wife and I are fighting about money right now and I don't know what to do about He's working so much because he's trying to make the money and we got to pay for that bill and we got to do this thing. What do I do? Come on, Jesus. Right now, I just pray for peace. I pray for wisdom. I pray for understanding. 
I pray for those in the room, God, who feel, Lord, I know the feeling of being so overwhelmed by finances and bills and, Lord, the expectations of this world and society says it needs to look like this and act like that. God, we just come this morning and we say, Father, would you allow your peace to come? Just settle the anxious hearts. You settle, Lord, even the bitterness and the anger and the frustration in people's hearts today that says, I tried this or I did that and it didn't work out and it failed. God, well, I pray today that we would just have a, a moment of redemption. Lord, let us try again to trust in you and put you first in every area of our finances, Lord. Come on, with every eye closed here today. Come on, you're here today and you say, Ryan, I, I don't know God. Now I hear what you're saying today and I think I'd like to start a journey with him. Maybe you're here today and it's your first time to church or maybe you used to come or maybe you're far from him and I want to just give you an opportunity to respond today. I'm not going to pull you forward. I'm not going to have you come up. I'm not going to acknowledge you. I'm just going to simply pray with you. Come on, with every eye closed in this place, out of respect for these people right now, if you're here today, you say, Ryan, I'd like to give my life to Jesus and I'd like to start this journey. I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out, but I think I'd like to start, to try. Come on, on the count of three, come on, would you place your hand in the air real quick, put it up, put it down. On the count of three, one, two, three. Come on, let me see those hands. Come on. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Come on, anybody else, come on. It's your moment. I won't embarrass you. Just real quick, up and down so I can see you. Come on. Amen. Come on, that's fantastic. Come on, church, would you put your your hands down. Why don't you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray with this person today who raised their hand to receive Jesus. Come on, church, right now. Why don't you just close your eyes with me? Let's just pray together. Let's out loud, real loud. Let's pray it together. Let's join with this person today and pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what to do next. But I know that I need you. Will you forgive me of every sin? I confess today that I believe you're God. Come on, church, pray it with me. I need you today. Will you come into my life? I give my heart to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's sing this song. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.